Welcome to The Real 7 Show. As always, this podcast will be completely raw, unfiltered, and uncensored. Today, I sit down and speak with the great Beck Lover. He's a New York nightlife legend, a famous motivational speaker, as well as a podcaster. This guy's a wealth of knowledge, and it was a pleasure to sit down and talk with him. So get ready for this conversation and buckle up, because here we go. This is Beck Lover. I'm in what used to be New York City. Mm-hmm. I don't recognize my town anymore. It's changed dramatically. I would say it's even lost its soul. Um, world-renowned podcaster, New York socialite, friends to the celebs, and motivational speaker, man. Mm. So I heard about you on a uh, another podcast. And uh, pre that podcast, what actually cued me into you was uh, I saw a clip about you speaking about uh, Christians and the Quran and such, and how, uh, you know, they're not so different, and that we need to kind of, you know, bridge that gap. And I thought that that was super important, being as how both sides of that equation make up most of the world's population, and that's where most of the infighting comes in, is between the Muslims and the Christians. So that's where I kind of heard about you, and that clip went viral. Everywhere I was scrolling, it was your face, your face, your face. Uh, and then, oddly enough, weeks later, heard you on another podcast, I actually listened to the full podcast, let's do it twice, just because you were explaining how rich your culture is, uh, your, your Albanian heritage. And, and I thought that that was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, because here, you know, I'm married to an Albanian woman whose grandfather was responsible for bringing over so many people, um, you know, from over there to here in Canada and Canada, we have such a rich Albanian history as well. So uh, if you could kind of explain, you know, uh, exactly what you explained on on the other podcast, just in, in more detail, if you can, about your culture. Shout out to Danny from the Concrete Podcast, one of the top podcasts in the world. Uh, he brought me on. We talked about everything, life, where the world is, you know. Uh, you know, I didn't go on knowing we're going to talk about, you know, Albanian history, but, you know. When I'm a guest on someone's show, wherever they want the conversation to go, you know, you want to dance, let's dance. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm going to give the Albanian side of what's happened because it's been a voice that's been oppressed and stifled for thousands of years. Not not the last hundred, thousands of years. It's only in modern history that the Albanian history is finally coming out. And when you study the history, it's very tragic. It's uh, one of a lot of violence, always invaded by occupying forces. And the fact that we still exist is a miracle and a testament to the resolve and the stubbornness uh, of our people to give up. Uh, I am American, first generation born in the U.S. My family came here to escape communism uh, during the Hoja regime, which was one of the darkest uh, most isolated versions of communism, totalitarianism that's probably ever existed in the world. Um, you wouldn't have had Dennis Rodman dribbling the basketball uh, and playing with the dictator. They would have shot him in his fucking head, communist Albania. 
Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think one of the, f- the founder of Club Med was killed because he got too close to the shores. We'd have to Google that up. But if I'm not mistaken, that's just an example of just how isolated that country was. I met um, Russians who, during the Soviet Union, would deliver supplies to Albania. They're like, you know, we couldn't even get off the boat. And these are the communists saying, you guys were hard. So to be cut off from the world like that, my grandfather and his father fought against the communists. My great-grandfather was in prison for 28 years, somehow survived that, but didn't live much longer after he got out. My grandfather got over the mountains and started his journey here to the U.S., where he was able to become very successful. And it's a testament to the opportunity this country has given so many people that I feel is quickly dwindling away. During the course of my conversation with uh, Danny on the Concrete Podcast, you know, I mentioned, you know, just how dumb and how ignorant people are. The problem we have today is too many stupid people have a voice and have a microphone. And I don't believe any voice should be suppressed. I don't believe anybody should be silenced. But I also believe you should know when you're in your own lane and when you're not. I don't know anything about nuclear science. I know we have to split an atom. I know that it can kill us. I know that it can create, you know, energy that's clean if it's maintained and we don't have a meltdown, which could be like Chernobyl and be disastrous. But I know not to go into a room full of nuclear scientists and act like I know what the hell I'm talking about. Part of the problem the world has today is that people that have no idea what the fuck they're talking about are speaking. And a lot of this information is getting out there that's very inaccurate. And it's through ignorance. Racism and hatred will always exist with the fear of the unknown and ignorance. So for me, it boggles my mind how we live in a time where there's so much technology right at our fingertips, where people could be more educated than ever. And I truly believe people, I swear to God, I think the masses have become stupider than they've ever been. So for me, one of these classic tales is, you know, the beef between Muslims, Christians, and Jews. And you always hear me saying Muslims, Christians, and Jews. And you're correct. That clip must have billions of views, not, not millions. I've counted over 200 million just on 10 different Instagram accounts, let alone it was on every single platform. And I mean, and it went viral. It was posted by the Hadid family. I mean, this thing just went everywhere. And I was happy because it was a message of unity. And in that yeah. video clip that, that, I, that people took and, and, and re-uploaded, I simply stated that most people don't even know the basics of their own religion. Yet, they want to judge the other religion. They don't even know the basics. And it wasn't to pick on Christians, because they are my brothers, and I love them. And I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he's the Messiah. I believe he'll come back to earth. But I'm not a Christian saying that. So look at how much we have in common. I believe that he walked on water, that he brought people back from the dead. I believe he brought God's word to the earth. I believe there'll be a being that comes in the future that says he is God, known as the Antichrist. Look at how much we have in common. I believe his mother was a virgin. Peace be upon her. I believe she was righteous. I believe she's one of the most amazing women, if not the most amazing woman to ever walk the earth. But I'm not a Christian. I'm a Muslim. And it's these similarities that we should be focusing on Mm -hmm. and not the things that we don't have in common. So in that clip, I quickly show how most people don't know anything about their religion because, first of all, to call yourself a Christian, You have to follow Christ. Christ didn't speak English. He didn't speak Spanish. Some argue he spoke some Greek. Maybe he did in ancient times. But reality is he spoke Aramaic. 
I can't tell you how many times I've stopped because I always like to have like religious debates. I've studied theology for over 25 years, coffee shops, you know, uh, just having debates with people. People get very heated in discussion when it comes to God. It's been like that since the inception of time. And I don't care what they say. They might know now. I mean, Mel Gibson even made a movie. I even met the actor. I had the privilege of meeting uh, Jim, I believe it's Jim Caviezel, the guy that played Christ in the film. And I worked with his brother uh, at Marriott. His name was Tim. So I worked with his brother, and then one day he, he came up. I got to meet him briefly. He learned Aramaic for that film. So the whole passion of the Christ was made as authentically as it could be from the Christian perspective. And, you know, Mel Gibson, you know, supposedly hardcore Catholic and, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, a lot of his films center around those stories, which boggles my mind how he never made a film about the Albanian national hero, mm. George Castriotti, Skander Beg, who held off the Ottoman horde, who saved the Vatican, who saved Western Europe, who in essence saved Christianity. And that's why he's a saint. That's why his statue stands in Rome. He's not Italian. Why is his statue in the heart of Rome? So these are all things that scientists are beginning back to the clip. I told people, just do a simple experiment. If you don't realize what language he speaks, you know, Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. If you don't believe me, go to Google, type in language of Christ, language of Jesus. It'll pop up Aramaic. You should always verify anyway. Just because something pops up on Google doesn't mean it's, you know, you got to check where you're yeah. getting your information. Right. But the Aramaic lexicon will pop up. Type in Aramaic lexicon, Aramaic dictionary. Type in the word God and see what pops up, how it was pronounced in that language. It was Allah. Allah. When you go to Google and you type in Aramaic word for God, the word Allah is the first result that pops up in the language of Christ. During 9-11, well, I heard in the streets of New York, and you know, I was already heard coming out of the underneath those buildings, witnessing those tragedies firsthand. <clears throat> Plenty of Muslims died in that building. Go look at the names. IT guys from India and Pakistan and right. So to hear the ignorance I heard, you know, because people assume um, a Muslim guy's got to wear a turban, dark skinned. I'm a white boy. I've only had this beard for a while. And it's not like I had it back then. So I look like a white guy and, you know, I am white, you know, and if you you know, classify that as race. <clears throat> and I hear people saying F these Muslims and F there, the word that Muslims use for God, that Christians use for God if they only knew it. So people actually went on Google and typed in Aramaic word for God and Allah pops up as the first result and this clip just went viral. But it wasn't to make Christians feel dumb. It was to say, look how little you know about your own faith. Look at how much we have in common that they don't want us to know. They want us to fight each other. They yeah. want us to kill each other. And that's no different today than it was in the time of kings and popes and sultans who maybe did not follow the principles and the tenements of those religions. None of those religions teach to oppress on other people. None of those religions teach to commit genocide. And genocide is committed throughout Europe, throughout history. The Inquisition is a genocide, right? When the Christians were rounding up Jews all over, you're a Jew, you're a Jew. Well, if Jesus was a Jew, why are you killing them? You say it yourself. And you so when you look at the stupidity, it's not the religion's fault. Right. This is what people, you could say whatever you, I'm this, I'm that. Are you? Are you really? Are you a Christian if you want to kill people just because of another religion? Are you a Muslim if you want to kill other people because of their religion? No, you're not. I don't care what you're saying. I don't care what people have done. We all have this gift. Look at my hands if you're watching this video instead of listening. I can make it do one, two, three fingers, five. I, I have free will. That is a gift. I can do with it what I choose. I could call myself 
I'm a, I'm a becker, you know, my new religion. New religions form all the time. I can take Kool-Aid and go down to Jonestown with, you mm. know, drink the Kool-Aid. That's where that came from, a cult. Yep. That people thought that, that's the end of the world. Let's drink this Kool-Aid. We're going to go up to the spaceships. So when you study the core principles of all faiths, you know, that have large followings, the Abrahamic faiths are very related. The only one variable really is Christ. Jews don't recognize him as the Messiah. Christians and Muslims do. Christians believe he was divine. Muslims say, no, he was just another one in the chain of prophets. And they believe in all of his miracles. They believe he's going to come back to earth, but they don't pray to him or worship him. They say, no, the only one you should pray to is the one that created all of them. And they recognize Muhammad as the last prophet. So that's the differences too. But the similarities and what they're supposed to believe in, how they're supposed to act, how they're supposed to treat each other. You know, some of the first converts, when you study the religion of Islam, the first converts to Islam were actually prisoners of war. When the pagan Arabs were fighting his own people, his own family, when you study the history of Muhammad, peace be upon him, when you study his history, he was chased out by his own family. They, they offered him to be the king of the Muslims, give up this concept of one God. They were pagans that worshipped many idols, which occupied where today is Mecca, which is known as the Kaaba, that black box that people think Muslims worship, which they don't worship. It's just a guidance of energy. Think of that box as a vortex where billions, almost 2 billion people now, channel their energy in one direction around the world to worship the one that they believe created everything. They believe Abraham built the first house to worship, you know, not the first house, but built on that location, the house to worship God with his two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. So how can anyone that says they believe in Abraham, believe in Moses, believe in Jesus, believes in the Ten Commandments, which came before Muhammad and Jesus. God said, hey, you guys are dumb. Follow these ten rules. Worship me. Give me no partners. Make no statues. Make no pictures. These are Ten Commandments. These are not. These are all three books. Torah, Bible, Quran. Make no images of thy Lord. Worship me only. Don't commit murder. Don't sleep with your neighbor's wife. Follow these ten rules and you guys will be okay. And most people do follow those rules for the most part. Sometimes we overlap. Murder is a horrible one to, 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 to do, right? I mean, unless you're defending yourself. It's the only time you have right to defend yourself. For example, when you study Islam, God says in the Quran, do not oppress and don't be oppressed. Don't be the oppressor and don't allow yourself to be oppressed. You're better off dead than to be oppressed because a human being does have an inalienable right to be free within an ethical existence. So, that clip, to me, blew my mind away. It resonated with so many. And what made me so happy about that clip going viral was that it really gave unity. I mean, there was haters in those comments. Yeah, but The overwhelming majority of people on all sides agreed, yo, we have a lot in common. And where the world is today, where America is today, where Canada is today, where the earth is today, we are at a time where basically there's two groups of people. It's not Christian, Muslim, Jew anymore, brother. It's people that believe in God and have mm. family structure, creator. These things are important to them. And then the other half are, you know, forget religion, pretty much forget God. He doesn't even exist. And we can just do whatever we want. There are no ethical or moral boundaries. And these two groups are set to clash. They're set to clash. 
I believe that's going to happen very soon. Um, and you can't, there's no middle ground between these two groups. You see, with Muslims, Christians, and Jews, there is a lot of common ground. We both believe in God, don't kill mm. each other. You know, even though they have traditionally, that was more, if you really analyze, it was political. It was never about the doctrines. Of course, yeah. Let's get to Jerusalem. That's a trade route. You think that king gave a crap? You think that sultan really cared? It was about the trade. It was about the roots. It was about controlling that area. So they used the religion to make people that should have never killed each other kill each other. Some groups were more hostile than others. You know, they say that Islam was a religion that was spread by the sword. But if we really analyze it, was it? Conquered Spain. They were there for how many years? Today, Spain is still one of the most Catholic countries in the world. Is it not? Mm. The Turks ruled all the way up to uh, the Caucasus for 600 years. The majority of those people are still all the religion they were before. But can the same be said the other way? And it's not to pick, but it's like you're being fed the story that it's a religion that's fed by the sword. But really, if you look at it, your religion was by the sword. Mm. You came to the new world. You conquered this area. They estimate up to 500 million people wiped off the face of the planet. They lost their language. They lost their religions. Those people are still not what they were before the conquistadors came to the new world. So it's what I've noticed is depending where you're getting your history from, so the way an Arab will learn in the Middle East is different than a white guy in Idaho will. And these are the biases that are inserted into. That's why I say it's very important to understand where you're getting your information from. We cannot. People want to judge each other and write each other off. But there's a lot to the stories. There's always two sides and then the truth. And I truly believe that. So we cannot fight each other. We should not be fine. We have a common threat in that aspect. You know, I don't have a problem. I really don't, brother. You want to, you know, whatever your lifestyle choice is, it's a lifestyle. You want to marry a man, you're a man. That's on you, man. In America, you have to be fair to everybody. If we're going to say everyone has a right to the pursuit right. of happiness, you have two consenting adults in what is supposed to be an open society, then we can't say, no, you can't. Mm -hmm. But what needs to be reminded is, you know, being a Christian, being a Muslim is a way of life also. And if it doesn't agree with your way of life, you have no right to impose that on me and my family. Mm -hmm. No more than we should be able to impose it on you. And nothing with you. You want to celebrate for a month, but what's to stop you know, Christians and Muslims saying, we want a month dedicated to God? Why can't we get a month for people that believe in the Creator? We call it Belief Month. You call it Pride. We'll call it Humble Month. We're humble. We want to humble ourselves. So... And it's not to pick on that community. I'm just giving examples. This is where we start crossing borders and boundaries that leads to anger, which builds up mm -hmm. to resentment, which will lead to conflict. Yeah. I don't want violence to erupt. I want people to find a respectable, respectful way to communicate with each other, to allow to let and let live. But you start fucking with people's kids. Mm. You start pushing your ideas on them, and they don't agree with it. Who are you? And vice versa. You know, so we live in a time where there's so much volatility, <laughs> so much division when the world should be more united than ever. Mm -hmm. And I'm sounding the alarm because I'm worried about not only my country, I'm worried about the entire world. And when I was speaking to Danny about that on the Concrete Podcast, my whole point was if these three groups, and really it's Christians and Muslims because Jews are only 13 million people, but still they have a very big power. 
and they are very influential in the world. So, you know, all three groups could just realize they have so much more in common. That's half the world that we can put at ease. Then we got to worry about the other half, the Hindus and the, you know, whoever, the Chinese, and figure out a way where we can come together. Because at the end of the day, as someone that lost his family in war, lost his family in conflict, the hardest thing I had to learn was to not hate people mm. that murdered my family. They were murdered. My family was massacred by Christian Orthodox Serbs. Second godfather, uh, godfather to my child is Greek Orthodox. Same religion, just, you know, in the Greek language. Fuck. Okay, so if I had hatred towards that faith, I would have never allowed my, God, my son to be his godfather, right? So, because I never once ever did it cross my mind as someone that studied Christianity, that has a respect for it, that has love for it. Ever once did I ever say this is because of Christianity. This is because of the Bible. This is, this is what Christ taught. No, I know what he taught. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't see that same respect when it came to Islam in this country, that everyone was thrown into a box. Everyone's a fucking terrorist. They're going to blow you up. They're going to fucking... And this is not what the religion teaches at all. You're talking about a world faith, which will surpass Christianity just from birth rate. Just birth rate, it will surpass Christianity. It's already almost equal, par, 2 billion. And... To hear this level of ignorance still in today's world, it's just sad. But this is ignorance, lack of understanding. You don't take a minute to sit down with someone and have a real conversation. You, you go with your stereotypes. And many communities have experienced this, you know, even here in the U.S. I mean, like I said, what happened to the African-American community is, in my opinion, probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest crime against the people in the world. Because they don't even know where they came from. They have relatives on the other side of the water. They don't even know where their family came from. They were cut off completely. So that's something that can never be repaid. There's no monetary amount that you could pay someone to make up for that type of trauma. This is nothing you could give them. Slavery was a reality of the world, unfortunately, for a very long time. And it still exists out there in other forms. Yeah. Women, children, trafficked across the planet. Laborers, people that are indentured servants in today's world, they're in this country, man. You think you're having a good time at the massage parlor, you're getting your happy ending? That's a woman that was sold into debt. You think any normal woman wants to go work in a massage parlor all day, getting banged out by different guys and giving happy endings to all kinds of disgusting people? I don't think men actually stop and think about it. Yo, you are, you are, you are abusing that woman. You are taking advantage of that woman because if there wasn't customers for that, she wouldn't be in that room. You're just as guilty as the person that trafficked her. So I don't think men think about it. These women are brought here into debt or by force or by threat. It doesn't seem like they're forced when they come in the room. Hi, you know, it's not, it's not, that woman's being forced. I don't care what Germany, it's legal. That's why God punishes certain civilizations. Germany, negative birth rate. Why? Because nobody wants to get married. They got more brothels than you can count. Why get married when I can pay 75 euros, walk into a spa, the women are drop-dead gorgeous of every race and color and nationality. It's 50 euros for an hour. That's cheaper than having dinner. It is cheaper to sleep with a woman in a brothel in Germany than it is to have a, a decent average dinner. But what's the flip side of that coin? Negative birth rate. 
why get married? I can change them like my underwear. But those women, even though it's legal in Germany, they're trafficked. Yeah. They're forced to. All you do is make it easier for the criminals to get their money because it's a woman. You don't do this. Back home, we're going to take out your family. You owe us this much money. You're going to work in Germany until you pay off your debt or whatever. And that's what goes on. Huh? So it's this lack of information, lack of stopping and taking accountability for yourself with the gift that you were given, which is the gift of life, which is why I believe in God. Because I didn't just wake up and say, oh, I'm a Muslim. Doing my homework, choosing out of my own, my own search, I chose. I don't push my belief. I tell people to look. The problem with most people is they follow a religion like a tradition and not a belief system. Big mm. difference. Facts. Most people are, 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 you know, and I'll talk for here in the U.S. They're only Muslim during Ramadan. The rest of the year, they're drinking, they're fucking, they're gambling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They don't pray. But during that month, supposedly they're a Muslim. Or, you know, most Christians only on Easter and, uh, you know, Christmas. Yeah. They yeah. haven't stepped foot in the church the whole year. So are you a Christian? Are you a Muslim, really? So that's my point. So and we want to and then we want to judge. And then we want to judge because the TV told us hate this person or hate that person. Right. Or this person's bad or a movie. So it's this ignorance on a massive level that is making tensions boil throughout our country and the world. And to me, it just couldn't be more obvious that it's just literally ignorance and um, people not taking a step to just stop and really think and realize you're not going to be here forever, whether you believe in God or not. You might not see tomorrow. And most people follow religion like a tradition, not because they actually believe it. It was something they, you know, their family said, this is what you are, so that's what I am. Mm -hmm. How is that a belief? I believe. No, you don't believe. You follow blindly. Believe is you chose. But how can you believe unless you investigate? You actually do research. Right, right. And I just released a clip about this. It boggles my mind how every religion on earth pretty much says if you don't believe what they believe, you're going to pay the price when you pass away. Mm. Christianity believes in purgatory, heaven and hell. Islam, similar. Judaism, similar. Hinduism, you'll, you know, either you reach nirvana Right, mm. become godlike, or you de-evolve and you got to start over on a lower, lower life form. Right, so they all have this consequence. So you're talking about almost five, six billion people that believe there's a negative, a negative uh, repercussion to not finding the truth while you're on this earth. Because that's really what it is, right? Yeah, you're yeah. gonna believe something. You should be searching for the truth. For you, just because you're born a Christian, you feel like you can't study Islam, then, I mean, how much faith do you have in your religion? Or a Muslim to look into other religions because either you're going to strengthen what you believe to be the truth or you're going to find what you think is the truth. Mm. Studying other religions does not take you away from your faith. It either shows you if it's real or not. So to me, there's a strong, strong, strong lacking of education in these fields. People take courses on religion, and when I speak to them, they really didn't learn a damn thing. They learned a lot of the basics. Some of them are a little more better. You know, they go in deeper. But most people follow their religion like a tradition, not because they actually believe it. Mm. And, and that's a big problem. You see, there's so much there with what you just said. And I want to provide a completely different perspective to this. And that's that 
there's another subset of individuals such as myself who I would like to say fly under the radar, but I don't fly under the radar. I'm very vocal with my opinions and, and how I you know think things and, and believe things. And I don't subscribe to any religious belief. However, there will never be a point in my fucking existence on this planet in which I will tell somebody that they do not have the full unadulterated right to practice whatever faith you like. That's not my well, business. How as, long as, they, decides, uh, as long as they leave you alone, right? You just leave me alone. That, that's it. And if you want to have a conversation about it, that's fine. Because it's, it's one of these things, man. Look, my realm of study is etymology and, and religious origin. So for me, I'm not interested in how people practice their religion, right? I look at it like this. Whatever you practice, if it makes you a better person to humanity, if it makes you a force of good in the world, have at it, man. Hey, I, you know, and to be fair, I have, you know, I have a cousin who's an atheist. He's one of the nicest guys I know, helps out everybody. So yeah. just because someone, you know, you don't need to subscribe to a faith to have some type of general right. ethics. Although I would argue most of the laws, rules, and these things have come into existence because of these religions throughout history. There's this moral compass that has kind of always existed. So even if you're not mm -hmm. religious, you've been influenced by religion, whether you can admit it or not. Think about it. What society didn't have religion? So you can choose not to follow, but your moral compass, either whether you can admit it or not, is still indirectly influenced by religion. People don't. I don't know if you can understand what I'm trying to say with that point. I I, I do get get uh, you know the gist of what you're saying, and I think that that's kind of regardless how you want to see it, it's still kind of splitting hairs to the the, the more general point. And I think the more general point is, regardless of how you view the inner workings of the world and the community around you, or or regardless of, of whatever it is that animates us, and that's how I like to say it. I don't like to say it be Allah or Jesus or, you know, a Buddha or whoever people subscribe to. I say whatever it is that animates us. And how do I know that there has to be some sort of a higher form of existence? For one, you feel it. It's a feeling when I see my children after a hard day's work and I come home that I can't explain. It surges through your entire fucking body, makes you feel something that is unexplainable. There's times when I'm sitting in nature. I'm a hunter, outdoorsman. I love that shit. When I go out there and I'm one with whatever created all of this, whatever it is that animates me, there's a certain feeling that comes with that that's irreplaceable. Me, and, you when, and, I are, and, and when you take the life of that animal, you feel oh. something. 100% every single time there's never been an animal I've ever killed that I haven't dropped a tear for it's a big responsibility to take a life huge responsibility but it was like for instance my wife's grandfather just passed great man great man absolute legend everything that he did he did to be that force of good for humanity to the family thank you and uh for me it's kind of like when you see somebody at a funeral I'm just looking at the vessel not the person I knew. Because when I was there with the person that I knew, there was a certain feeling. It was like that feeling of being around consciousness. And that's something that a lot of people miss. It's like, look, man, the person that you're looking at isn't the the the, the flesh. There's something that animates us. There's, there's a conscious. And and just to believe in that alone, and whether you want to call that God is, is fine. I don't You know, there's a point in life, dude, not so long ago, just a few years ago, where the word God was almost offensive to me. Because all I seen was people abusing the word 
and thinking that they can live a certain fucking life and then go to church and pay more money and all of a sudden they can commit more sin because it's forgiven depending on you know how much more you paid and i couldn't stand this it seemed like a bastardized version of what you believe in so look man i believe personally and this is just just my my belief and it allows me to accept everybody else's belief depending there's some shit that gets a little crazy that does affect other people and that's when i have a problem with it but overall i speak to muslims and christians and all jews. kinds of people all over the spectrum and jews and i can sit down and have a talk with any one of them because all of them have the same fucking 95 percent of what they agree on but for whatever reason they only focus on the five percent so i sit here and i wonder how much of this is just programming via all of the media and the life that is you know portrayed around you and the and the, the, the information that's available to you if you want to call it information i think it's just a bastardized mutilated version of what used to be information and now it's just used to keep people in formation. It's no longer for educational purposes. You know what I mean? And what I've noticed, man, is that just there's a lot of people that love to do that, even in society. You know, there's an old quote that I spoke of just the other day. And that's the longer that the ride is, the more you realize that you're going to have in common with somebody. If you were to meet somebody, rich guy, let's say billionaire, sits with a homeless guy. They both hop into a vehicle. They only have 30 seconds to interact. They're going to be focused on all the differences that they have. Why? Because it's only 30 seconds. Now you take them for a drive and let that road become a lot longer. What do you get? You get two people that slowly start to realize that their lives aren't that different. They're still people. They're still human. They just have and, different. And they're both trapped in that car at the same time. That's it. And that's what they start focusing on. They start focusing on all of the things that they have in common. But this is the problem. I think that we get these things like social media being a cancer because you're able to just pop into somebody's comment section watch 30 seconds of what they think and they've and made shit it on them. and shit on them right give them your your fucking stupid little opinion because you're hiding hiding behind a screen largely when you meet people in person man i've met a ton of these fucking haters in canada at these you know rallies and shit over the last three years and in person they're nice people why because you don't treat people the way that you would treat them online in person when you're actually standing consciousness and consciousness or you realize hey man there's a chance i'm gonna punch you in the face Right. All of a sudden it gets to this like, oh, shit, like we can actually be real with each other and vulnerability comes out and then people start to connect. Right. Dude, there's been a lot of people who are just misguided, whether it be in their faith or or in their religion. And I think that what's the, the, the problem now is that it's no longer religion. It's re-legion. So they've re-legion their self to subscribe to something that they didn't believe in in the beginning. And like you were saying, a lot of them just picked this up from birth. A lot of them just picked this up from tradition. Right. My mom wanted to be a nun. So when it comes to like the Catholic and the, the, the Christian side of things, I went to Catholic school growing up. I was forced to go to church every Sunday and it just never made sense to me. I didn't feel that that was my path. And that's fine, because what I did see is a bunch of people from different walks of life gathering every single Sunday for a common cause. And there's no problem with that. I think that that's a super healthy thing to start giving the human energy towards something that people feel they can totally resonate with at the same time. And what, what have they trained us to do now through social media and shit, bro? They've told us all that, well, we're just going to focus all that communal energy onto this bad shit that's everything wrong in the world. Because let me ask you this. When you walk around every single day, and you're walking around, you're, you're in New York, I believe? Mm -hmm. Right. So when you walk around, do you, do you just see a bunch of people that you fucking hate every day? Is your experience that the world hates each other? Or is it largely that you could stop and say hi and have a conversation with somebody and it go pretty fucking good? For the most part, 
you would see people that on other sides of the world would probably kill each other in real life, mm -hmm. co coexisting. Yeah. You know, I use the analogy of like when you go to the park and you see a, a like a Palestinian woman and she's next to a Hasidic woman, Hasidic Jew, the kids are playing together. And they're there together. There might be some resentment or whatever, but it won't show, it won't surface. Mm. I mean, there's bigots everywhere, but for the most part, you know, I have to deal with Serbians, right? Because we're, you know, New York. And, you know, I had a lot of built up hatred when I was younger, because of course I'm going to be full of hatred when I lost so many people in my family. Sure. But it took time for me to unpack all of that, to analyze it. It took me meeting amazing Serbian people who didn't agree with what their quote unquote country did to us. And then I flipped it on the fact that I, as an American, I didn't agree with the invasion of Iraq. Should I be put into the same basket? And should I be hated by the people that maybe their lives were affected by that? They would on the surface hate me just as an umbrella as being an American. But if they sat down at a table with me and said, you know what, our lives as bad as Saddam Hussein was, I lost all my family in that war. I would have rather been under Saddam and still had my family. But then I, then I would have said, you know, I didn't agree with that invasion. And then how are they going to hate me, man? So it's when dialogue breaks down, we don't take a, a second to listen to each other. There's this clip going around the internet right now of like the trans community did like a, a mockery, you know, of Christ. And then the girl goes up to the guy that did it and says, you know, you really offended me. And he's just mad, uh, like attacking her. And, he, and she's like not being mean. She's like saying, listen, what you did hurt us. Just like you wanted us to understand what your community's been through. And this is what right. I'm saying, man. Like, you can't demand respect and then not return it. And then if you make a mistake and someone tells you, hey, I don't appreciate what you did and it really hurt me. Instead of apologizing and trying to find that common ground, this person starts attacking her for voicing how she felt about that. And that's not the way either. So we live in a really weird time. Uh, I prefer the world before the internet. I'm of the generation that remembers the world before. It was better. There was less divorce. Yep. There was more time spent with family. I can't remember the last time I had company over my house. Everyone feels because they see somebody online, they've seen them. And that real interaction, that being together, that spending time together is really diminished completely. So we're more connected than ever, but I think we're more lonely than we've ever been. Yeah. You know, as a whole, at least here in New York, I think... Everyone's busy, 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 and everything's online, and nothing's in the real world anymore except drinking and acting like fools. Because if you don't drink in New York, I mean, what do you really do? Like, it's all about drinking. There's really not much to do except drink, and how many times are you going to tour the Statue of Liberty? So it's like, you know, it's a culture that's heavy, heavily revolves around drinking, and, you know, what else do you do besides drink? And let's be real. We're not at our best. We're not at our optimal performance when we're drunk we're not as smart or as sharp so you know what are we doing man like what where is this all going you know where does where does everyone think this train's gonna stop i don't see it ending in a good station no you know no and it's but i think that a lot of that too would be when we have these conversations and especially when we're individuals of influence and no, neither one of us has, you know, the 5 million followers or whatever, but 
There's a lot more people that listen to our message than than we choose to believe. And you'll see it in your comment section. You'll see it in the DMs or the like fuck the hate. Like let's 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 start realizing that there's a lot of good. How many people reach out to you on a weekly basis and let you know that your message has impacted them? Tons. Every day. Every right. day. Exactly. And our, our our inboxes are full of people who don't even want to state that shit in the comment section, who take the time out of their day to click that direct message and actually write a fucking paragraph out a for book. you. Right, for you to read. And man, there's times where there's so many. The inboxes, you wake up in the morning and there's like 100, 200 pings and you know you go through them and most of them is just like a you know little emoji to your story or whatever. But I try to scan through those just for the people that take the time out to write that. And at least, at least, at the very least, make sure that I can read it. Because it was somebody's time. That's the only currency we have. Everybody's so worried about the fucking dollar. But that's what dollar is. It's time you gave up to get that piece of paper in your hands. Right. It's time. It is time. Right. Everything is, is time. It's an exchange of energy, right? It took you energy to make that money. So every time that that money leaves your hands, it's an exchange of energy. That's how everything in the world works. And with a lot of these people, you know, a lot of them do see like more of the bad in the world than they do the good. And this is what I really like about your content. This is what I really appreciate about it. Is in your message is the silver lining of here's some education. I hope it stings enough for you to continue watching. Because towards the end of what I'm saying, you're going to find common ground to have the discussion. It's like you yourself, you're basically the table that the people sit at to have the discussion. All you do is you trigger one side, you trigger the other, you put the table down and you sit back. And you allow them to sit there and have that dialogue that is required, mandatory, because that's the place that we're at. So when we look at the trajectory of the world, being the, the realist in me says, yeah, man, it's, it's going to hell in a handbasket fast. But then the other part of me says, well, do we just slow down the bleeding? Or do we just fucking let it bleed and figure it out? Like, I'm at the point where all we did was accept everything forever, and nobody was having the discussions. So I think now we're starting to feel the embers of a fire that's been burning forever, and we're finally starting to take a little chunk out at a time and have these painful discussions. And it's up to guys like us who aren't really too concerned. I don't know about you, but I know the way I am, and I'm, I go overboard at times just by saying what the fuck it is. Most of the time, dude, I'm at the point where I'm just like, fuck your feelings. You need to hear this. And a lot of times the people that still want to live in delusion land, well, they don't they don't want to hear it. And they'll message you, oh, you know, I'm unfollowing. It's like, yeah, thanks for fucking announcing it, bud. Like, I, I don't care, right? Like, it's, it's not even going to make a difference because obviously my message isn't for you. My message is for those who want to actually have these discussions and make the world a better place. But to do that, self-accountability. So I want to ask you about self-accountability and or the lack thereof these days. And what do you think the lack of self-accountability is doing to people? Not as a society, just as the individual person. What is the lack of that doing? Well, you know, it's a pretty broad question that you're asking. So, you know, accountability for what? I'm overweight, right? I shouldn't be smoking. And I know what it does to me. Mm. So how accountable am I for my own health right now? I can't even talk to you about how you should be healthy or you should be working out. I'm overweight and I'm smoking. So in today's world, that's a great example. A guy like me who's overweight, smoking a cigarette, and wants to tell you who's in shape 
who's maybe doing what they should be doing, uh, how they should work out. I think that like that's kind of like the analogy, where in reality, I should look in the mirror first. And I don't think most people mm -hmm. look in the mirror. People want to attack. They want to troll. They want to whatever it is. And they don't want to spend the time to, to be accountable first on having a fair opinion or a fair assessment of what's really going on. Everyone is focused on the individual tiles of the mosaic and not the actual mosaic. Mm. They can only see the little tile that affects them. Right. And they're not worried about the rest of the mosaic. So if enough of those tiles are missing, that mosaic is not going to look as good as it should. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Everyone's focused in their own little world. And this technology is helping that happen too, right? Because we've all seen that, that, that documentary, what was it, the social... Social dilemma. Yeah. And, you know, the, there's a reason why the found you know, these guys that work for these companies don't let their kids on social media. They know exactly what it's doing to our brains. Of course. And children are influenced more than anybody. So, you know, you're being put into a funnel, an echo chamber. And, of course, your perception is going to be based on that. What I'm clicking on, my algorithm, you're seeing completely different. So this is only helping fuel division. And this is why these platforms must be protected without anyone being silenced because these are the public squares now i don't give a shit if it's a public a, a private corporation your influence is too great your impact on society and way of life is too great if you're going to silence or remove anyone's comments or opinions then you shouldn't even be allowed to function anymore period i might not like what someone has to say i deal with it every day we deal with it in the real world mm -hmm. i can address it and I can make that argument where the whole world can see it and let the world choose if I was right or wrong. There's no reason we should be stifling anyone. If someone's a bigot, they're going to show their true cards, their true nature. Of course. They're evil. I'd rather see who they are and know who they are and know where they stand. Mm -hmm. That's actually safer than shutting them down and I don't know what they really think. That's why it says on Facebook, what do you think? Well, I want to know what they have to think. Why are you stopping it from getting out there? And it lets you know how much of that is just fueled by corporate interest and the message that they would like to, you know, feed the algorithms and then pump out to people via, you know, news and all this nonsense. And guys, stop listening to the fucking news, man. I don't care how much you, you know, people come up with that excuse of saying, oh, you know, I want to, I just want to know what's going on. Dude, cut it out of your fucking life, man. The time that you would spend watching the news, man, is is time, is that that currency, right? And if you come across it, sure, I'm not telling you to just fucking ignore the world. But what I'm saying is the news is designed. Look, you ever seen those videos over the last it's three not, years? It's not, it's not news, brother. News would be as unbiased as possible. News sure. would be factual. It wouldn't be a couple of people sitting up there. Opinions. Giving opinions to sway <laughs> your opinion. It would be today in uh, Ukraine, blah, 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 30 people died, blah, 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 blah. And you maybe hear what the Ukrainian president saying, then you get to hear what the Russian, you never get to see what Putin says. I never mm -hmm. see him on TV. We're on the verge of World War III, and I can never hear what the guy's got to say. We're more connected today than ever. Why can't I see in instant translation what this guy's actually got to say? Mm. Why? Because it might go against the agenda? Is that why? So for me, what, what free news is there? It's like mm. your only shot at real news is to take as many different perspectives as you can and hope that your assessment is accurate because... We're not on the ground. We don't know what the hell is really going on. And as someone that lost family in war, looking back 20 years now, you know, there was no winners in that war. I lost my family. They lost a territory that they had control of. 
and both of our countries are still poor and our youth still flee. So what did, what did the Serb win? What did the Albanian, you know, the Albanian, yes, we did get more freedom. We're not being killed and oppressed, but it could have been avoided if there was just a common understanding, self-respect both ways and a dialogue that could have prevented the loss of life that was so unnecessary, not only in Kosovo, but in Bosnia and Croatia. And it was the bloodiest conflict since World War II. I think, you know, if this Ukraine thing keeps up, maybe that might even surpass. So, End of the day with war, man. There is no winner in war. I'm, I get, you know, very tired. I'm growing very <clears throat> fucking tired. Are we winning? I mean, did we win when we left Afghanistan? America I'm talking about mm -hmm. ended Iraq. Our, our veterans are committing suicide one every 22 minutes. Yep. I mean, who won? Okay. They didn't get killed in battle, but how many veterans are dead? One every 22 minutes, man. That's two and that's two to that's three an hour times 24 is how much? It's a lot. You're talking about 600 guys a day. Is my math right on that? Yeah. Three an hour times 20. Sorry. That's like 70 a day, right? So 70 a day times 30, that's 2,100 a month. Times 12, that's 30,000 a year taking their own lives. So who's winning? What do you consider a victory? America's not winning. We're in debt to our eyeballs. We're spending trillions of dollars on conflicts that we're not winning. We didn't win in Afghanistan. If we left them with all that stuff, you know, I was underneath the World Trade Center when it got hit, and all you heard was, we're going to take out the Taliban. We're going to get the Taliban. And we left them in fucking power with more weapons than we found them in 2001. Yep. Yep. So how the fuck was that a victory? It wasn't. So all these people died. All these families got destroyed. All these soldiers are taking their own lives. And my heart aches because what was it really for, brother? And I think if people dig deep enough, they'll start to realize what it was really about. Mm -hmm. Was it about two buildings that fell or was it about other things, other interests that another news outlet can tell you about? So for me, it's like, what the hell, you know, what does it take for people to realize? People have such short memories, man. You got Biden, and I'm not picking on him, but you got him. You can see the clip during the debates when he was, you know, vice president running for vice president with Obama. And they asked him, do you believe in gay marriage? And he's like, no, 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 no. So it's not that I'm saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying it's that they will say whatever they need to say of course. at whatever time it is that they think is the thing they should say just to make you think that they're on your side when they don't give a fuck about the gay community, the Muslim community, Christian community. They don't give a flying fuck about any of us, regardless of your background, your race, your religion, and they got us at each other's throats. And this is a fucking fact. They do not give a flying fuck about us. And not just the politicians in this country. That's across the globe. They're all the same. We have scandals in Albania right now. They got elected officials caught sting operations, performing sexual acts in their office, the official office. Monica type shit. Monica Lewinsky type shit, right? And it's like you were entrusted to be the leader of that community, that town, that city, that state, that province. You were given authority over these people that they elected you to do the right thing for them. And none of them will put the people before themselves. And I don't care what country we're in, man. I don't care if we're in America, China. So 
a true leader, by my definition, is one that is willing to sacrifice their own well-being for the greater good of the people that they oversee. Name one that's like that. I don't know any. Name me one righteous leader on the earth. I don't know of any. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people got this picture into their mind that Donald Trump was that person. And I could sit here for days and days and days and just go through point after point after point, slaying every politician that's entered Canada and the U.S. over the last you know three decades. But what's the point? The overarching argument is simply that they don't give a fuck about you. All I really want to say is they don't really give a fuck about us. That's the Michael, Michael Jackson yeah. was right, man. He was yeah. that song is so powerful if you listen to it. It is such yeah, a powerful you, song. If you listen to exactly what he's saying word for word and get rid of that 10 second TikTok attention span, people might be able to learn a thing or two about but, life. The Beck Lover podcast where you learn a thing or two about life. There you go. That's my punchline. It's my punchline. Is it really? <laughs> the Beck Lover podcast. Learn a thing or two about life. And it couldn't be, uh, couldn't come at a, a better time, a more relevant time to say something like that. And I know a lot of people like to sit on their, uh, you know, their, their moral high horse and feel as though they know it all and can't learn anything from anybody. And I see this a lot, sadly, in the older generations who seem to, you know, think that no young person can tell you shit. I see a lot of young people who look at the old generation and say, I can't learn anything from you either. Like, what do you know? And it's like, guys, they're really they're... wrong about that. See, they're, they're more wrong than the older generation. Yeah. Cause the older generation saw the world before all these things that trapped you kids. Mm -hmm. They saw the world before the internet, internet, the net entangles you. You've been entangled. You don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. Anyone that can remember the world before the internet can have seen the evolution. We understand what is done to the human mind. We know we don't need statistics to tell us. I've seen what is done to the family structure. I've seen what is done to the divorce rates. I've seen what is done to civilization, what is done to people, to families. And the statistics prove what we know. It destroyed the family unit. It destroyed society. It brought us some good, but we used the bad more than the good, in my opinion. Mm. We've created false senses of what happiness looks like. It's all materialistic based. Yep. It's all about how many followers you have. And I can't stand, like, how many times I meet people and they go, like, you know, I haven't really been posting on my Instagram. Like, they feel embarrassed that they don't have followers. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that doesn't make me cool. And I don't even call them followers, man. I hate that word. I'm not a prophet to be followed. Neither are you. I call them supporters, man. People that resonate. <clears throat> I think resonators is a better word. They resonate with the stuff that I, that I do. Mm -hmm. I'm not better than them. I get, you know, even now, like when they come up to me, can I have your picture? Like to, for, to me, it's like, I don't feel like I'm better than you. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't ever disrespect them because it's like, to me is, you know, you're honoring me beyond honor, but I'm not better than you. I, I don't deserve for you to ask me for my picture. I'm not without sin. I'm not without wrong. I have a lot of bad things about me too. You're only seeing my good stuff. I don't feel worthy of you asking me for my picture. That's how I truly feel inside. I don't say that. I'm saying it here on your show first. I don't feel worthy because I'm not a perfect human being and celebrities are far from it. Mm -hmm. So we live in a very bended version of reality. <clears throat> it's only getting more and more awkward. Um, I see marriage 
almost obsolete. I don't think marriage will be an institution that survives in the world that that's come out now. This TikToking, OnlyFans, gimme, 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 only what's in it for me, for me, for me. You know, what you mentioned earlier about um what was it? Self uh awareness. Self accountability. Self accountability. Very, very selfish we become. Very, very selfish. Um, you know, we live in a very selfish time and it's all about the I. So, you know, these phones are weapons of mass envy. Mm-hmm. They're there to give people FOMO. Most people are walking around with FOMO. They're walking around, you know, fear of missing out. F-O-M-O, for those of you that don't know, not H-F like Frank, FOMO. They are in a perpetual state of swiping left. There's always someone going to be like, if you have 200 people that you follow, there's always going to be one of them on vacation somewhere. There's going to be someone having a great dinner. Human beings were never meant to see everything. Only God was. And you're always going to feel like, damn, I'm eating home. I'm never going on vacation, but it seems like everyone else is all the time. But no, you're seeing bits and pieces of hundreds of lives. Only the best moments. So this creates a feeling of real insignificance, an artificial existence. You're made to feel like you're a cog in a wheel. And if you're of the less fortunate, you really feel like shit. So, you know, if I wasn't where I was in my life, unless I was following motivational content that I truly believe in the people that are making it, there's a lot of fucking carn artists in that world too. Mm-hmm. A lot of blood suckers. I wouldn't be following anyone that makes me feel insignificant. And that doesn't mean that I'm jealous. It just means that like, I know that I'm not there yet. I know that this is making me feel negative. Maybe I should just concentrate on following people that are motivating me to do the right thing. You know, So I feel like you need to choose also not, you need to choose wisely what you're following, what you're inputting into your brain, to your soul. Mm. what your eyes are viewing. I think, you know, a lot of us, you know, we're guilty of it, you know, looking at beautiful women. Of course. You start creating feelings of lust within you, you know, mm-hmm. which I don't care if you're religious or not. It's not normal to want to be with a million women. It's not, it's not the right thing. I mean, maybe it's normal animalistically to feel like that, but spiritually, ethically, you know, so there's a lot of things you can do without even realizing you're doing it to yourself, that's creating a lot of the suffering that you have. If I wasn't happy where I was in life, I would put the fucking phone down, I would put my fucking head down, and I would bust my ass and try to create an existence that I could be proud of and happy with. Because there's always a way out as long as you're alive and you're healthy. And if you're dumb today, you can be smart tomorrow. And these are all things that can be fixed. But people don't want to make the effort. They don't want to make the intention. They don't want to enlighten themselves or better themselves. And they live these existences that, for me, are very sad. And even the most successful people. I've met people with millions of followers. And I've heard them talk about, I want to kill myself. I want to commit suicide. And people never see that side of it. And they don't realize that this is not reality 100%. A lot of it is. A lot of it's not. And you are being manipulated, you know, whether directly or indirectly into feeling like your life is insignificant. And that's not a good feeling. Mm -hmm. Because I believe everyone's on this earth for a reason. Nothing happens by accident. And most people have a gift that they've never discovered or they know they have, but don't have the courage to pursue. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if you fail. I think the worst thing in life is not failing. I think it's not trying. I think that Mm -hmm. feeling of regret 
as I've reached my 40s now and I look back at all the times and chances I had and things I could have done differently, it's not an easy pill to swallow. So I would rather have people try and fail because you can live with that. You really can. It's hard to live with what if I did? What if I tried? What if I could have? What would have happened if I made that left turn in Albuquerque? You know? So this is kind of where I'm at. And really, you know, living in New York was always a blessing because of its diversity. I have friends of all colors, races, sexual orientations, plenty of gay friends. One of my friends is probably one of the most famous gay people in the world. Um, so I have friends of all backgrounds, races, types, and it's a blessing to have been able to be a part of learning about these different lives and lifestyles and cultures and foods and histories. And it gave me a really good foundation to try to understand where people are coming from, what really makes us tick, why we feel the way we do, and why people get angry so quickly. And a lot of it is the garbage and the nonsense that they're fed through their phone and through their TV. This is what's fueling a lot of the anger and stupidity and and just it's just unnecessary is what it is. Life really doesn't have to be this complicated. Live and let live. Do what you want to do in your home. Don't push what you believe on others because we live in a multicultural society. This is not a place where everyone's 100% Albanian, 95% Muslim, or vice versa. We live in a society that everyone from everywhere and every type of person is. So we have to protect everyone's rights. And you can't protect one group's rights by stepping on the rights of those that may already have had them before them. Also, I think some of that's going on. Yeah. And, you know, we're pointing fingers and, you know, it's just, you know, there's a lot more to it. Life really is gray. It's not black and white. It is as gray as it gets. And we need to find that common ground because when we stop talking, that's when bullets start flying. Mm -hmm. There's a lot there that uh, I'm starting to realize more and more that you and I are a lot more alike <laughs> than we even uh, than we even knew. You can scroll back on my other profile that I started a couple of years ago. And 90% of my content revolved around exactly what you were just talking about. And it's the, for one, stop comparing yourself to other people. Your life is entirely you versus you, period. You get that through your head, all that's going to happen is you're going to be striving to become the best version of yourself every day, regardless what that looks like. I don't care what that looks like for anybody. Everybody's fighting battles that we know fucking nothing about. You could Facts. be fighting something that I know nothing about. I could sit here and act like I do. Look, I'm a dude that had my son, my newborn son in my arms and watched the life leave his body. There's nothing and worse than that. That's my nothing, worst fear. Nothing. And somebody could sit there and say, oh, I know how you feel. No, nah, I don't know how hey. you feel. I don't want to know how you feel, bro. That's my worst nightmare. It's one of these things where I can only look at you and say, look, whatever's happened to me has happened to me. Whatever's happened to you has happened to you. We're not here to compare apples to oranges and see whose is worse or whatever. We've how old? How old? How old? Uh, so he was about a month. So we sat with him in the hospital for about a month, watched him uh, get the surgery that should have saved his life. And then uh, he suffered a massive heart attack and stroke. Uh, they told us that he'd be living on machines for the rest of his life, zero quality of life at all. And we had to make the hardest decision of our lives. And um, to be honest with you, man, something happened. And this is where I 
started to truly understand. I stopped understanding the situation. I started to understand what it meant to be a man. And when I looked at myself in the mirror after all that happened and, you know, the dust has settled, I was real honest with myself and admitted to myself that I wasn't ready to raise a son yet. And that's why something like this has happened. I wasn't ready to bring a man into the world at this current state that I was in. I was nowhere near ready or prepared because people want to think that fatherhood is just this easy thing. You, you know, you stick your dick in someone, you pop out a baby, that's it. And it's so like weird that that's, it's not like a sacred experience anymore for you raising this young man. You're raising yourself in a sense. You're trying to correct all your mistakes by, you know, avoiding those mistakes and teaching them to your son. I wasn't ready for that, man. I just wasn't. And I could make up all these excuses as to, oh, yeah, I wasn't. Why did this happen to me? What was me? It happened to me because it was whatever animates us. It was the will of that. I didn't have control of it. And those are situations where you're going to learn the most about yourself is when you have no control at all and you're just spinning out of control and you're forced to grab the wheel and try to get back on the road. You know, a lot of people think you need to control every single situation you come across. And that's why we are where we are. It's to struggle for control. You're never able to just let go and say, all right, man, you know, sometimes you you don't need to necessarily just, you know, aim and fire. Sometimes you need to fire and then aim. Sometimes you need to just let the bullet fly and then try to direct the bullet as you go. And uh, with all of that, you know, I, I fucking, dude, I beat this this horse dead time and time again. And that's to tell people to watch what you're consuming. I don't mean physically. I mean with your eyes, with your mind. What are you consuming? Are you constantly consuming something that makes you feel less than? Because if that's the case, you need to stop consuming it, man. The worst things in the world are, it's not food, it's not water, it's not cigarettes, it's not booze. The worst things to consume are things that consume the mind, that consume the soul, that don't feed who you are as an individual, that don't feed your force of good to portray into the world. Those are the things that consume you. That's the fucking dark that people you know, are, are missing. Because we live in a society, bro, where everybody's afraid of the dark. You've been told that you're not allowed to be angry. If you're anxious, you got to suppress it. If you're depressed, you got to get rid of it. It's like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Look at the roots of those words. Angst. That's what it is. You have angst about something. You need to correct that. Germanic medicine is talking about this. My father holds a lot of animosity for his past and his mother. And he has something called diverticulitis in his stomach. Germanic new medicine has started to realize that there's something called resentment knots in the gut. And he's never dealt with this shit. He's just a naturally angry person. Holds a lot of resentment. So until you deal with that within yourself, you know, there's a lot in this world, man, that, that we truly need to learn to figure out and start to look, you know, our own fears in the face and start to walk towards that. We're always taught to just move away. Oh, it, it might be hard, you know, turn away from it. But then you got to ask yourself, well, why are guys like David Goggins so popular? Why? Why is that? Because Jordan Peterson. He, Jordan Peterson. You're talking about all these people who took a shitty situation, they embraced the suck, like they like to say, and they found the need to go and chase the things that they thought were unobtainable, the hard shit. They decided to walk down that road and see what they could uncover. And what did they uncover? A fucking legend. Somebody that other people want to hear speak because inside of all of us, Every single one of us is the ability to do great things. That voice has just been suppressed. And by great things, I don't mean, oh, you need to be a celebrity. No, no. You want to know what a real great thing is? Become a good father. Become a good mother. Become someone influential in your community. 
Become somebody who is constantly fighting for, say, kids to get educated in the right manner. Fight to fight to be somebody who can sit down and have a conversation and understand somebody else's point of view enough to where you can leave that conversation not agreeing, but still respecting. Dude, we're missing. <laughs> we're missing core pieces of the puzzle. You know what I feel like? I feel like right now we've so many of us have started the puzzle. We've created, you know, the edge pieces that are nice and easy to get. And then they just gave up. It's like they say that, oh, well, all the other pieces will kind of come together. It's like, yeah, but it's your job to sift through and try to find what pieces fit. And a lot of that, and this is the blessing of the last three years. I know you know the same shenanigans and the bullshit that happened over the last three years. All a fucking psyop, right? However, a lot of good came from it. You know, I lost a lot of baggage. A lot of people that didn't need to be in my life. I lost a lot of these motherfuckers who were just leeches. Lost a lot of people who were family in disguise. And what did I gain? Dude, I gained my tribe. I found out who the fuck I was. I found out that in a time of oppression and people coming to suppress you at every fucking angle, call you all the names, do all the shit, throw the bottles at you at rallies. I was one of the first people out there at Queens Park where I'm from. The first like dozen people that was standing out there letting people know this is a fucking lie. But people were driving by whipping bottles, cops, all the shit. And everything you said came out to be true. True. And, and you know all what? the lies are out there and people still don't even, they, you lost your family. Yeah. They died from that mm -hmm. sickness That's... we were fighting on a global level. Mm -hmm. And you don't want answers. You don't want justice. We know where it came from now. It's not a fiction anymore. It wasn't a theory. It's actually a fact. You were right. Your family got wiped out. You don't want justice. You don't want to know who's responsible for that. That's how sick these people are. That's how sick this world has become. Yeah. That you don't even want the truth. We know what the thing that they put into arms is doing to people. And we can't have a public debate about it. Right now, some of the greatest people in the world are challenging these docs that were right yeah. publicly. We'll pay this much money. Come. Why are you scared to debate the truth? The truth cannot be defeated. Mm -hmm. So come into the light mm -hmm. and let's have this talk in front of the whole world. But they won't do it. Because in the world will see their lies. Mm -hmm. I bet you, before the trauma that happened to you, when you lost your child, which is, brother, my worst nightmare. I got three boys. It's my worst nightmare. I've seen what it is like when someone gets, finds out their kid passed away. I've been there for that. To see when you're telling someone your kid's gone and they're fucking just destroyed instantly in a second. Yeah. But I bet you, your enlightenment went light speed mm -hmm. after the initial trauma, yep. after the tears and all this heartache that never goes away. It'll never go away, ever. But it's like, I believe the wise Hamza Yusuf said, it's the man that, one of the people that buried Muhammad Ali. He said, and he said it beautifully, enlightenment comes through despair. Mm-hmm. And the enlightenment of these people, I believe, these the sheep, as I call them, will be if this evil force around the world has its way with us, with technology, with crypto, with all this. Once they're fully enslaved and they're in despair, that's when their enlightenment will come because they're that fucking dumb. They can't see three steps ahead, 10 steps ahead. So enlightenment always comes from despair. Like, fuck, I should have listened. The first Jews in the Holocaust, like, listen, this guy, Hitler's no good. Let's get the fuck out of here. No, no, it's going to, they can't do that. And they ended up in fucking ovens. So it's like, 
eventually enlightenment comes to everybody. So some people it doesn't come to that very last moment of their life when they take their last breath and like, oh shit, it was all mm -hmm. some rich, miserable bastard who has billions of dollars and never gave back and never helped anyone. And then he realizes I can't take any of it with me. I should have used it. The Quran actually speaks of people when they're judged how they will beg God to come back into this life and, and use their wealth if they could. But there's no second shots in this dimension from that perspective or the Christian perspective. So, um, you know, this is kind of what's going on, man. It's ignorance. It's selfishness. It's envy. It's all the worst of the human emotions concentrated through these devices, beaming this shit into our fucking brains. The lie is projected, the truth is suppressed, and we live in one of the most dangerous times in the world to actually find understanding if we're not looking with purpose, focus, and full attention because there's a lot of noise. And there's more noise than the truth can make right now. And that's what's going on. The louder the voice, the louder voice is winning the hearts and minds of those who don't have the ability to be self-aware, to stop, to think, to process, to say, shit, my cousin died because of this whole thing that came out a couple years ago. They said it came from this lab. Who funded the lab? Who was working in the lab? Where did the money from the lab come from? Why did it get out? Was it out by accident or not? You don't care why your relative died. You don't want, they don't deserve justice. And that to me is the greatest sign of how sick and how far gone our society and our world is. That there wasn't mass demonstrations over this. Demanding answers. Demanding answers. Yeah, it was just a newsflash. Yeah, they found the lab, blah, blah. Yo, your family fucking died. Your boy died. Your friend died. Your girlfriend died. Your fucking wife died. You're, you don't care. You don't want justice. You don't want people held accountable. I don't care if it was an accident. That's called, you know, involuntary manslaughter. So yeah. we live in a very sick time. And there's hope as long as people that have courage to speak out, keep speaking. Because those are the greatest lessons of history. If we don't speak, the next thing that happens is people die. A lot of them. That's how World War II started. If people would have stopped Hitler in his tracks, it wouldn't have went as far as it did. If his own people would have said, no, you lost your fucking mind here, buddy. Maybe you should shave that fucking master, mustache off and just sit down and have a fucking espresso because you've lost your fucking mind. And the few people that did, because now that's the correlation I've seen. Mm. People that had bravery to say, no, this is wrong. We're not going to force this into people. We're not going to push them out of society because they refuse to put something into their body that nobody knows what it does to you long term. And people, literally, the masses turn their backs on their own fucking citizens, their own fucking neighbors. And that's what you said. That was the blessings that came out. Like, you realize, like, yo, I'm really fucked. Like, I'm surrounded by a lot of fucking really dumb and easily fooled people. And I'm a part of this. And I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. You think it was bad by you. You should have seen what I dealt with in New York City. Painting murals of the man who literally created what killed their fucking families, bro. Oh. And that's a fact. We, we could have these discussions for, for hours on end about, you know, the, the problems with the world, but I just want to, I just want to let you know to just continue on this fucking path that you're on, man, because uh, of this entire quote unquote truth community that is turning out to be just as fucking misinformative as, as the, the other side. 
Um, you know, there's very few of us that are, are, you know, have the ability to kind of rope that back in and kind of correct course and, uh, you know, keep people sane. And look, man, it's, I think it's, it's just your story. It's your way to articulate shit, man. I appreciate it. And, uh, dude, I'll definitely have you back on this pod any fucking time you want, dude. And, um, just real quick, can you, uh, can you just kind of give a little bit of uh, of information as to what 9-11 did to the American people. Um just just briefly. Cause I know your experience there was was pretty uh pretty firsthand. I mean, I mean all all it really did is I mean when we look backwards is it allowed us to allow them to go to war with different countries, whether they were responsible or not. And really, you know, was to me the that was a for me was, you know, just a uh, very surreal time, you know, just witnessing all that firsthand and, and seeing the destruction and how many people's lives were affected by it. When you look back now, it wasn't just, you know, us New Yorkers. It was the whole world that changed that day. Mm-hmm. Right. And the whole Middle East changed because of that day. So, you know, the, you know, New York was actually more united back then because we felt like we were hit and we were attacked and to see the divisiveness because of the last three years and our politicians and what they did to our city and what they did to our, our nation, they're all guilty of it, by the way, right? Trump, all of them, um, for dividing people, you know, even if Trump had good intentions, the way he speaks makes people feel divided. And, you know, that means to me, you're not an effective leader. An effective leader is one that can unite the people. That can rally people. Although the press really hasn't was never fair to him. That's a fact. They never showed barely anything he did good. My man didn't start any new wars. My man ended wars. You know, so like to me, like as someone that hates war, I I don't want war. War should be the shouldn't even be an option. Cause I seen what it did to my family and people and you know, so you know, all nine eleven did was show, you know, show me that we can do all these wars, spend all this money, and it was really all for nothing. That's the greatest lesson I learned from 9-11. Yeah. Besides the fact that you never know if you have it tomorrow. You never know if you're going to see someone again. You never know when you say goodbye. I just lost a friend. Rest in peace, Ibrahim. He's an amazing human being. And I've been dealing with a lot in my personal life that I don't post on my social media, which is, that's all you need to know, right? Everyone looks at me and says, oh my God, your life's amazing. You're at every party. You're hanging out. You're backstage. You're backstage. Meanwhile, I'm going through one of the hardest times of my life right now. So I was busy. He kept messaging to see me. He had a little bit of a sickness. He said he was better. It seemed great. And then I just got a text. I found out he died. And I didn't know I was never going to see him again. I didn't know when he was texting me. to. And he was just texting me to talk, man. He just wanted to talk to me. He wanted to see me again. He wanted to find out when we could hang out again. Fuck. And I didn't know. And I've learned this lesson the hard way a few times already. Because you just never know if you have that minute again. You never know if you're going to have that second, that chance to say something to someone before it's too late. And losing Ibrahim was like a big slap in the face to me. Again, like you stupid fool. You know, yes, you were busy. Yes, you were caught up. I was meaning to get back to him. But I cried the whole fucking day, bro. And this is not like someone I can say is like my best friend. But like he was a really good friend and he was a good human being. And yeah. He shared many, many deep conversations with me. And when someone shares that with you, whether you're a best friend, because a best friend to me means it means you just spend more time with them. 
it doesn't mean that this guy couldn't have been my best friend. It just means that he, you know, we didn't share as much time as I would with someone I would call a best friend. Right. But the conversations I spent with him were as deep in my soul as it would be with my most trusted people in my life. So when you share that type of conversation with someone, whether it's someone you're going to see all the time or just once in a while, there's still a bond there and you feel the loss. I felt the loss. I lost him. I cried the entire day. And I think when I break down why I was sad, it wasn't just because he had passed away and he was still young. He was in his 50s, you know, young, great shape. This guy looked like Denzel Washington, man. Good looking dude, man. Full of knowledge and wisdom and just very polite and kind to everybody. And I cried because the regret. And that's why I try to tell people like living a life with regret is the worst feeling in the world. It's like being enslaved almost to your emotions. Because you can't turn the clock back. Time is the most valuable thing you have. And if you don't do these things that you feel like you should, or your heart is telling you, or your gut is telling you, and you just don't have the courage to try, even if you're going to fail, I'd rather fucking fail. Because to turn back and live with regret is the worst feeling in the world. There's nothing worse than it. Regret. So, you know, that was the greatest lesson from 9-11. There's people that probably were fighting with their dad, didn't say goodbye or whatever. And never got to see him again. And they live with that every day. That never leaves you. That's an emotional chain and ball to your heart that will eat you alive if you're not strong enough to overcome. Because regret is a very dangerous emotion if you can't handle it. You may have experienced it when you lost your child, you know, for whatever reasons you have. Or I don't know if you had anything to regret because the kid was only one month old. But the point is, you still carry that emotional baggage the rest of your life. And you have to learn how to handle that. Because the older you get, the more scars you have. And there's, you know, it's just a lot of them, man. And if you don't process this stuff, you don't unpack it. This is where spirituality was very important to me because faith helps you unpack this, brings some reasoning, even to the most ununderstandable things. Like, why the fuck did this happen? Where there's a concept known as divine wisdom, where there's just going to be things that you cannot comprehend. And if you believe in this divine power and that everything is in order, because this world is in order, whether we can realize that as human beings that make it chaotic, because there's a system in place for you to be alive, to breathe, to comprehend me. There are millions and millions of things that have to be in order for you to exist. Your, your respiratory system, your nervous system, your digestive system, all these things are in order. We are what makes life chaotic because we're like this variable that can't be calculated or controlled, or we don't like to be controlled. And if we do, it doesn't last too long. It's in the human nature to be free. And that's why God gave us free will. It's the will to be free. It's in our nature. It's in our DNA from the one that created us. And I wish peace and prosperity to every people, every nation, to every person out there, regardless of their background, sexual preference, as long as we live by the rule, live and let live. Respect and respect returned. And if we can figure this out, we have a shot to create something that could look like heaven on earth. Regardless if we all believe in God or not, that's not the point. So this is Beck Lover, man. Signing off. Tell everyone to check out the podcast, becklover.com. It'll be up July 1st. Can follow me on Instagram at B E K. That's B like boy, E like Edward, K like Kimberly, Beck Lover, NYC on Instagram. Make sure you stay tuned to my guy here and uh, make sure you're listening to Eric. And we'll probably do this again in the future. Absolutely, brother. Appreciate you.